Hey, it's Cody Woodard, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I hope this message encourages you and helps you see that God wants to do something new in and through your life. Enjoy the message. Come on, who's excited about joining groups? Amen. Man, um, I tell you, there are groups starting up. Uh, this week, as you heard. And if you don't know which group to join, um, I want to encourage you on Monday night, it's men night, it's man night, Tuesday night is ladies night. We got stuff going on all week long. There are groups that meet literally every single night of the week. On Wednesday night, we have youth ministry. Come on, we, we, we launched our youth ministry this week. Come on, I think we got a picture here of our youth ministry. I think there were four students who gave their life to Jesus on Wednesday night. Come on, that's worth celebrating right there. And then also, before we dive in, I want to let you know about this coming Wednesday. Not only will we have youth ministry, but we decided to do something to really meet people during the week where it's not just Sunday content, but we've developed out some content for you to consume, whether via uh, audio or video on YouTube. And so this Wednesday, we are launching our Inside Renovation podcast. Come on, anybody excited about that? Me and my friend, Brooke Taylor, will be having some candid conversation. I think it's going to be helpful uh, for you and for your family. So be watching for that on Wednesday. And uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Cody Woodard. I'm the pastor here and just honored, again, you would spend some time. We are in the third installment of a series called The Birds and the Bees. In the last couple of weeks, week one, we started out and we talked about um, what does it look like for us to have godly relationships? What does God actually have to say about how to have a healthy marriage, what it is, what it's not? Last week, we talked about the number one killer of relationships is selfishness. It's selfishness. It's not you. It's me. And we talked about the symptoms of selfishness and how do we actually deal with this thing. Now, I was going to talk about sex this week, but because last week I asked on Instagram uh, what was the number one killer of relationships, nearly 90% of you wrote in and responded communication. So I figured I would save the sex talks to the grand finale next week. You're not going to want to miss that. That's why we got kids ministry. Amen, somebody. Um, but today I want to talk about communication because everybody knows that good communication is critical to a good relationship. That communication is the currency of relationships, and it's vital for you and I to understand how to communicate. And so I want to encourage you today to take some notes. This will probably be the most practical sermon of all sermons. And if you have a hard time communicating with a significant other or with a family member or with a friend, this sermon is for you. Come on, find the neighbor, say, this is for you. And then look at yourself and say, this is for me. Just this is for me. This is for me. It's for everybody, okay? Proverbs 18 says this. It says, the first to speak in court sounds right until there is cross-examination begins. Come on, how many of you know there is a cross-examination in your relationships? Always sound right. Then it says this, flipping a coin can end arguments. If you wondered how that started, it started in the Bible, and it settles disputes between powerful opponents. But an offended, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified locked up city taken over by the enemy. Arguments separate friends like a gate locked with bars. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. And then we've talked about this verse already, but it says that life and death are in the power of the tongue and those who love it 
will eat its fruit. Now, we usually stop there, but I think God in all wisdom through the Holy Spirit chose to then connect that thought of the power of life and death is in the tongue. Watch the very next verse. It says this, that he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Come on, somebody say, happy wife, happy life, happy life. So I wanna talk to you about communication, and I just got a question as we talk about communication. Can we talk for a minute? Come on, why don't you look at your neighbor and give them the sermon title, ask them that question. Can we talk? Can we talk? Can we talk? Now, before we talk, let's pray. Before we talk, let's pray. Ooh, that's a word. Ooh, come on, that's a word right there. I wasn't even meaning. Before we talk, let's pray. Amen, somebody. Come on, let's go to our Heavenly Father. Right now, lift your hand towards heaven, if you will. Lift your hands towards heaven. Father, we thank you so much for who you are, and we thank you that you are good. God, speak to us now as we open up your word. God, as we come to you wanting to learn and wanting to understand how to have healthy communication in our relationships. God, we ask that you would do something new in and through our lives. We love you, and we thank you, and it's in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said? Amen. Come on, everybody said? Amen. Amen. Can we talk. So I'm going to be honest with you. I absolutely hate that question. Anybody else? I mean, when I get a message like, hey, yo, I got a question. Can, can, we, can we talk? I'm going to be real with you. I, I experienced some literal trauma from that question. I mean, I literally get anxiety, especially if you text me, can we talk? And I say, um, sure. When would you like it? Next week. That is not okay. <laughs> because I am literally left to my mind in all of the 10,000 things you could talk about, right? Like when I hear, oh, can we, can we talk? I mean, something inside of my stomach just begins to just turn and twist because I'm like, oh Lord, what did I do now? What did I say now? What in the world do, do they want to talk about? Because the truth is, I, the answer, if I'm being real with you, is no, I don't want to talk. But now I feel like I got to talk and it's probably best that we talk. So I don't want to talk. But I don't want to not talk because that's probably how we got here in the first place. Is we don't communicate. And like, it just, when we hear that word, can we talk? It makes me really, really nervous because I don't really know what is in your head and what you're about to say to me. I'm trying to figure out what in the world could this be? It's almost like Pictionary. How many of you ever played Pictionary before? I love, I love playing Pictionary, especially with um, other people and uh, especially with, my, with, with two couples. Like you got the guys versus the girls. And um, I love this game Pictionary because the premise of Pictionary is simple. What you have to do in Pictionary is you are given a note card and on this note card that you're given is a word. And the, and the objective in Pictionary is that you take the time and you actually uh, have to figure out how to draw what you're seeing on that card. And, and, and now, what I love about Pictionary is there are no Picassos in Pictionary. And there's no Picassos. You can be a good artist, but here's the problem with Pictionary. There's a timer. So immediately, you can't just be up here, you know, taking your time, you know, drawing all eloquent. No, 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 no. You, you are constantly in Pictionary experiencing pressure. And so what you have to do now is in that time, oh, yeah, yeah, one more, one more, one more. You can't talk. And I got to say that because there's always some person that ain't never played Pictionary going, can we talk? No, we cannot talk. 
which makes it difficult because now what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out how to draw what you're reading on this paper in such a way that your partner can understand. And so it's not exactly what it says, but it's what you think it looks like. And so the challenge a lot of times in Pictionary is that your, your person you're trying to get to understand can't understand. And eventually, after you lose round after round after round, you're thinking, can I please get a new partner? <laughs> Somebody help them get the picture. We're trying to learn how to, how to communicate. And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to give you a picture today of how difficult communication can be. Because what you're trying to do in a relationship is you're trying to get them to get the picture that you see in your head. Where did that picture come from? Well, that came from your past. That came from your daddy. Came from your upbringing. Came from your pain. And so what happens is, ladies, you, you draw a card, and on the card, it says... I want you to draw a perfect husband. And so now you're trying to figure out, okay, how, how, do I, how do I draw this in such a way that, you know, he actually gets it so that we can win this game. And so what you do is you start trying to draw a perfect husband based upon what you see in your head. And so then you, you know, you kind of go like this and, you know, you draw your little stick figure and, 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 you know, maybe you don't want a stick figure. Now you, maybe you want some muscles on your man. You know what I'm saying? And, and then you're trying to figure out, you want to make sure that he is, that he is happy. You know what I'm saying? You want a happy man. And then you're trying to figure out, okay, how do I communicate a perfect husband? And, and so maybe then you, uh, you know, you draw from his hand um, a, a briefcase with, with, some, with some money in it. And, and then on this side, you, you, draw, you draw in his hand a Bible because, you know, you want a godly man. And, and over here, you start to draw a, a, a house, you know what I'm saying? Not just a one-story house, but a, a two-story house that's really beautiful, and it's got wings to it, and it's got a pool out here. And all of a sudden, y'all like my drawing? And so all of a sudden, you're trying to get your partner to understand what a perfect husband is supposed to look like. You're trying to get them to understand your expectations, and so he starts to guess, and he's just like, I don't know, Stick Stanley? Who is that? Is that a businessman? Is that like a, a gnome hat? I'm not really sure what that thing is over there. And you're like, no, it's a perfect husband. Don't you get it? Like, I want you to be happy. I want you to love Jesus. I want you to, to make some money. I want you to provide for a big house. That's what it's supposed to look like. And here's the problem. You just told your spouse or your significant other, your expectation. Ooh. And the problem with this picture is these might be things that you want, but that's not all you want. See, the problem is, is we know how to draw things that people see, but we don't know how to draw integrity. You don't know how to draw honesty. You don't know how to draw faithfulness. You don't know how to draw godliness. And so what do we do? We paint a picture based upon what we've seen, and now we're creating an expectation for them. And then we wonder why we get so frustrated when they actually all they care about is putting food on the table, but they're not emotionally available. Man, let me talk to you. You draw a card, and on your card, it says something very similar. It says the perfect wife. 
whoo, I'm gonna get somebody in trouble today. <laughs> perfect wife. And so you're over here and you're trying to draw a perfect wife. And so, you know, she's got, she's got long hair and, um, and she's, uh, that's really sad. We're going <laughs> maybe a little, some bangs in here, you know, and she's got eyes and not too big of a nose and a really pretty smile. And, and of course, then you start to, to draw her body and, and it's a little stick. Th- like, let's be honest. That's not what you want. No, no, no. You want, you want some curves in all the right places. And so now I'm not even going to draw it because there is a way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to death. Come on, somebody. And so now you try to paint a picture. See, some of you, listen, ladies, what you think is that's all men care about because that's what culture's taught you. And so what you would have drawn is you wouldn't have drawn a perfect husband. If you would have had to draw a picture of a man, you would have drawn a dog. Because that's what you've been told men are. Dogs, but can I be honest with you? Can I be real? Men actually want more than just this. Men actually aren't shallow. Sometimes they are. Sometimes it starts shallow. But every man in here would attest to you that just because you have a girl with curves in all the right places, that doesn't mean your relationship will be healthy. But see, they don't know how to draw loyalty. They don't know how to draw kindness. They don't know how to draw a Proverbs 31 woman. And so now you feel the pressure to look the way you want, they want you to look because time is of the essence. And all of us, when expectations haven't been met, eventually when communication breaks down, the fear is they're going to get another partner. That if I don't help them understand what I need from them, they'll just go on and find somebody else. And this is the tension in relationships. We we don't know how to communicate our expectations. And that's based on, by the way, that you actually have realistic ones and that you have godly ones. And let me just tell you that This is exactly what the enemy wants to confuse, dilute, separate, and cause dissension and issues within the context of your relationships. Because though your partner doesn't really get to see the picture of the opponent, the enemy knows exactly what you're trying to build. And he's trying to do everything you can, everything he can to keep you from understanding what it looks like to have healthy relationships, how to communicate what the other person actually needs. And so married people, what he will get you to do is he will get you to believe that that partner isn't ever gonna figure it out and there's a better partner for you waiting at work. There's more candidates on Instagram than there are at home. If you're single, he will convince you that you will never find the man you're actually looking for. You will never find a godly woman. So instead, why don't you just lower the expectation and settle for just anybody? And he creates this dissension in relationships where you and I have a breakdown in communication. So I got a question for you. Can we talk? I mean, let's talk for just a minute about how to talk to one another. Let's go back to the beginning because Genesis 1-1 says that in the beginning, God spoke everything into existence. 
You know, in the beginning, it started with words. That God spoke a word and everything that was created was created. John 1, 1 says that in the beginning was the, was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What that means is everything, every relationship really begins with words. I love what James 3, 3 and 4 says. It says that when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Can I tell you that your life is not defined by your past, your upbringing, your circumstance. The world you live in is defined by your words. Your words are powerful. This is why in Matthew chapter 12, it says that on judgment day, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. Ooh, I don't know about you, but that terrifies me because I've said some words that I am not proud of. Anybody else? But your words are powerful and there are no wasted words. The power of life and death are in the tongue. So I want to help you learn how to communicate today in an effective and healthy way. And please hear me, I am not, um, I'm not an expert at communication, especially in the context of my marriage. My wife will be the first to tell you that. So please don't hear me just because I got a microphone and I'm a professional preacher means that I have all of this figured out. But here's what I do know is that if you're gonna communicate in such a way that's gonna be healthy and holy, you gotta do this first thing and that's number one, speak their language. Come on, somebody say, speak their language. We have to learn how to speak their language. To say things in such a way where they understand not just what you said, but how you said it and what you meant by it. We have to learn how to speak their language. This takes humility. This takes patience. This takes commitment. You have to learn their language. And it's not easy. Men, it is not easy to understand the language of a woman. Can I get an amen from somebody? Women, it's pretty simple to understand the language of a man. Just, you know what I'm saying? I'm joking. But you really got to understand their language because that's as if you were moving to another country that spoke a different language and you refuse to learn the language and you just go and wait around until you find somebody that speaks English. If you go over to China, you better do the hard work, commit and be patient to actually learn Mandarin or you're never gonna be able to communicate properly. Can I just tell you that if you're single, you're gonna have to learn the language of marriage. When you got married, how you talked to your friends when you're single, woo, that better not be how you talk to your spouse when you're married. Why? Because you're going to have to learn their language. So, man, let me help you out today. Because through a lot, a, lot, a lot of trial and error, I think I have finally figured out how to really communicate my wife's language. So if you're going to speak their language, here's what women need, men. The language of a woman. Women need trust. The love language of woman is trust and security. Now, there are many other needs, but the primary need 
the majority of women, what they need to know from you is that they can trust you. That when you say what you say, you're gonna do what you said. There must be trust in the home. When trust is high, security is high. So that means there are no secrets. This means that she has the passwords to your phone. She knows the login to your email. I mean, you might as well just go ahead and give her the phone and be like, girl, just put your face in the face ID. You can have whatever I got. And now some of you are like, oh, that sounds controlling. That sounds a little bit manipulative. Why? Is it because she's control freak? No, no, she's not a control freak. But a lot of times, here's what we experience. Because there's been pain in the past and someone didn't create a safe place, now there's insecurity. And so a lot of times, men we're like, oh, well, I don't, I don't wanna. Every single time I've ever heard somebody say they will not share passwords and things behind it, they're always cheating. Uh-oh. There must be trust in the home, what is trust? Trust is a bold confidence. Trust is a bold confidence. It feels like safety. It feels like I can be carefree in front of you. I can be vulnerable. I have nothing to hide. Trust requires three things. It requires trust. Security requires three things, I should say. It requires truth. It requires transparency, and it requires time. Now, what happens when trust is broken? When someone you brought in to build the nest with you starts to tear it apart. When Papa Bird decides to be abusive to Mama Bird, I'm gonna go ahead and tell you, you better push that Papa Bird out the nest. When one of the birds decides to fly to somebody else's nest because they think it's going to be better over there. And then they come back home trying to come back in your nest. Do you understand what I'm saying? When trust is broken, what do you do? Well, you can decide to let them back in the nest or you can keep them out of the nest because the purpose of building the home is that there would be a safe and trustful environment. And hear me, if you've broken trust, the good news is, is that they have that decision on whether to let you back in or not. Now, when I say broken trust, I'm not talking about a little white lie. You understand what I'm saying? I'm saying when somebody flies to a different nest, can I, can I go there? Or should we just wait for the sex talk next week? What I'm saying is, is that it is possible that when trust is broken, that trust can be restored, but it's going to take the Holy Spirit. It's going to take a lot of counseling and it's going to take time and transparency and truth to heal it. And if you've been the one that's broken the trust, you don't get to determine the timeline it takes to build it back. If you've been the one, listen, you know what I've learned is that it takes a long time to build a nest, but it takes seconds to tear it down. And so if you've been the one that's broken the trust, listen, you're now on their timetable. And now it could take 10 days. It probably won't. It could take 10 months. It could take 10 years. But you've lost the ability to be actually be able to determine the time. Because women need trust. Can I get an amen, ladies? All right, ladies, let me help you. Men need honor. 
Y'all thought I was gonna say sex. No, I'm not talking about sex. That's, that's next week. Y'all are like, bro, you're supposed to help me out today. They need honor. By the way, if they honor you and you make them feel secure, sex can be fire. Ooh, is this too real for y'all? But if there's no security and there's no honor, sex can be fatal. It can destroy a relationship too soon because it becomes all about the physical intimacy, but you've lacked the emotional and spiritual intimacy that it requires to build a healthy foundation, amen? But what men want more than anything else, men want honor. Men want to be respected. Honor means this. It means to treat as weighty. It means to treat as important. It means to place proper value. Men, listen, we wanna be honored. Whether you understand it or not, ladies, listen, there's something inside of every man, and they, will never, they may never admit this to you, but there's something inside of us that needs to know that we can do, we have what it takes. You know why we need to know that we have what it takes? Because we don't think we have what it takes. In fact, we know we don't have what it takes. So every now and then we need a proverbial little pat on the butt and say, you're doing a good job. We need your words to really build us up and encourage us and, and say thank you. Now, you don't have to say thank you, but I'm talking about what happy and healthy couples know. That you say, hey, I don't have to say thank you for doing your job. I don't say, I don't have to say thank you for taking out the trash without me asking. I don't have to say thank you for doing the dishes. I don't say have to say thank you for watching your own kids. But every now and then, it'd be good if you came up to him and said, woo, good job. Because he'll be like, yeah, you did a good job. You see how I took out that trash with one hand? Yeah, I did watch those kids. I'm doing pretty good. Why? Because men want to be honored. Romans 12, 10 says this, outdo one another in showing honor. Say showing honor. Because unless honor is shown, it's not honor. Well, they know I love them. No, no, no. You got to say you love them. Well, they know I respect them. Uh-uh, you gotta say you respect them. We have to outdo, and this is not just for the ladies and the men. Listen, we gotta outdo one another in showing honor. Honor resists gossip. Honor hates jealousy. Honor start, stops sarcasm. Honor refuses teasing. Honor doesn't cancel people. Honor lifts others up. Honor celebrates their strengths and covers their weaknesses. Honor fights for others. Honor seeks understanding. Honor finds a way to encourage. We ought to be people of honor, amen? Paul says, Galatians 6.10, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. You should show honor to everyone, but especially other Christians. He says, everybody should get honor, but especially Christians, because that's your family. You need an especially in your life. I'm going to honor everybody, but I'm going to especially honor them. Which my especially is, that's my wife and my three boys. I know God doesn't have favorites, but I'm not God. I do got favorites. And they're going to get the best of me. They're going to be honored. So you have to learn how to speak their language. They speak their language. And, and, and let me say this too, you gotta know your own language. 
You, you got to know how you feel loved because it, it's bigger than just respect or honor. It's bigger than just uh, trust or security. There's other ways in which you feel loved and you got to not just know their language, but you better be able to communicate what your expectation is. You got to know your own love language. Come on, how many of you read the book or heard of the book, The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman? Anybody? Great book. Now, some of you, you don't know your love language. You need to figure out, how do I feel valued? How do I hear? How do I know that I'm loved? And some of you are thinking, well, I got all five love languages. Well, you are dysfunctional, ma'am. That's what your problem is. <laughs> you only got about one or two love languages, and you need to try to figure out, I got to know my language because my spouse or my partner is doing the work of understanding mine. So what happens when we don't know our language and we're not speaking the language of the others, number two, you got to talk it out. Somebody say, talk it out. Come on, touch your neighbor. Say, talk it out. Ooh, that's something for somebody to talk about in the car when you leave here because you was fighting on the way to church and you better talk it out on the way home. Amen. Luke chapter 17, Jesus says this. It is impossible that no offenses should come. Can I tell you why? Because in relationships, opposite attract, but they also attack. Offense, it's gonna happen. It's inevitable. And it usually starts with something small. It usually starts with just something they said. It usually starts when your wife wants you to drive in the car and then she constantly wants to tell you how to drive. I'm not speaking from experience, I'm just... You're gonna get in trouble, sir. when he doesn't put down his phone at the dinner table and take the time to have a conversation. It starts with something that's not that big of a deal, but an offense builds fences. The purpose of an offense is it's trying to separate you and create a wall between you and between your partner, between you and your spouse. So some of you are living so offended and the reason you can't communicate is because you're trying to talk like this and they have no idea what you look like. You know why? Because communication is not just verbal. It's your body language. It's how you look in their eyes. It's how you listen. It's how you speak. It's more than just verbal. Even my son, Jet, three years old, knows this. He, he knows when I'm communicating with him, not just by what I say, but in how I pay attention when he, see, when he speaks. Right now he's in this phase where he's like, daddy, watch this. Daddy, watch me. Daddy, watch me. Daddy, watch me. Why? What does he instinctively understand that you need to be looking at me for you to understand what I'm trying to communicate? So some of us, we, we have never learned the gifts or the skill set of how to communicate effectively. And here's what Jesus is saying. Offense is going to come. Getting offended is inevitable. Living offended is optional. Some of you are living so offended and you are wondering why there are so many barriers of communication between you and your significant other, between you and your parents, between you and your family. It's because you are living offended. So let me give you some piece of advice. Um, when you're offended, when you're hurt, when there's been a miscommunication, you need to be very careful who you talk to. Can I be real with you? One of the best things that Jessica and I ever did a year into our marriage is we moved away from our family. Some of you can never get over a conflict because you're constantly involving your mom or dad into it. 
and you've done moved on, but they're still mad and pissed off at your spouse. Listen, you need people in your corner. You, you need people who, who will advocate for you and, and be there for you and have your side, but you're gonna have to have more than mama. You have to have more than daddy. You, you need to understand that I'm not gonna involve everybody else in my conversation. Sometimes before you talk to them, you need to talk to God. And the problem is, is before we talk to God, we talk to Facebook, Instagram, on Snapchat, and all of our friends. By the time we talk to God, we already think he, we know what he's gonna say. So I just need you to be really careful about who you talk to and what you listen to. Proverbs 4 says, guard your heart above all else. If you go around and you listen to people and you hear that men are just nothing but dogs, eventually you'll start to believe that men are nothing but dogs. When you get in a fight with your wife, men, don't be going after work to the bar with a bunch of single guys talking about, oh, why are you married? Women suck, blah, 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 blah. Why don't you just get single? My life is so much better. Yeah, you're living at home in the basement playing Xbox every day, bro. How's that working out? You need to be careful you listen to and actually surround yourself with people in the same life phase as you and people that can actually help you get to where that you're supposed to go. So you need to be careful who you talk to and be careful who you listen to because there is a real enemy that wants to divide and create a barrier between you. And a lot of times he starts by using the people closest to you to do it. He's trying to divide. And you gotta watch what you say and how you say it. Can I get an amen? Well, I said I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you said it in the wrong tone, in the wrong way. It was sarcastic. It was manipulative and you're gaslighting. It's not just about what you say. It's about how you say it. So I'm just telling you, you gotta be careful on who you're talking to and who you're listening to, but you also gotta watch how you actually say things. I've never met anybody who actually reconciled an argument and it started out with, well, I'm just gonna speak my mind. <laughs> Speaking my mind never solved problems. How about it's time for some of us to stop, stop fighting with our, spice, or our spouse and start fighting for our spouse? Because... Y'all are not enemies, but there is a real enemy trying to create distance between some of you. And this is why Paul says this in Ephesians chapter four, in your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil, say devil, a foothold, say foothold. Now I'm gonna correct somebody's theology right here because here's what I used to think this meant. I thought that that meant when me and my wife got into an argument or disagreement, we had to stay up till 4 a.m. on a work night trying to work it out. Can I just tell you, sometimes the best thing you can do is take a nap or go to sleep. You need a little bit of separation. You may need to go to the gym. You may need to take a walk. You may need to count to 10. But I'm telling you, sometimes our worst arguments that started really small was we tried to figure out how to make it work. And we up till 4 a.m. talking about things that happened six months ago. Can I just tell you, sometimes after you wake up, you'll see each other in the morning. You'll be like, what were we even fighting about? Are you good? Yeah, I'm good. It's all good. That's not actually what Paul's saying. What he's actually saying is, is he's saying, don't live your life with unresolved conflict. Don't live offended because when you do, you give the devil a foothold. It's interesting that he uses the word devil and not Satan. He uses the word devil, not Lucifer. Why would Paul then say, when you live offended, when you have unresolved conflict, you're giving the devil, specifically the devil, a foothold. Because devil is the Greek word diablos, which means slanderer. 
He specifically tells you this is the accuser who is trying to separate. Can I tell you what happens? When you let conflict go unresolved in your house, the enemy is speaking lies and slandering your spouse. They're telling you everything that they're not. They're telling you everything that they'll never be. And then he's trying to convince you there's somebody else better for you. He's a slanderer. He's the father of lies. And when you live with unresolved conflict, you're giving the devil a foothold. That literally foot, word foothold means a place. It means you're giving him a room. You are giving him access to the guest room of your life. And we wonder why we feel so separated is because some of you got the devil living in your house. You say, yeah, you can move into me with me. It's cool. We ain't gonna work it out. We're not gonna talk it out. Imagine this. Imagine there's a bunch of demons in hell and Satan is there and he's sending them on assignment. And he's saying, hey, they got some unresolved conflict. Why don't you go ahead and move in with them? Some of you are giving the devil a free pass into your house. And he's speaking lies about you. And he's speaking lies about your spouse. And he's creating dissension in the nest. He's trying to break trust and he's trying to dishonor the other person. So you gotta talk it out. Here's what that means. You gotta learn how to say you're sorry. You're gonna have to learn how to apologize. How about this? Not just say you're sorry, show that you're sorry. Because how many of you know you can say sorry and not be sorry? We need to learn actually how to have a conversation like adults and be the first one to apologize. I read this in an article this week. It says this. This is what experts tell us about kids and parenting. It says this. As you are raising a toddler three to five years old, you're not supposed to teach them to say, I'm sorry. Because they don't have the mental or emotional capacity to know what sorry really means. So if your kid punches another kid in the gut, you're not supposed to tell them, hey, say you're sorry for doing that because they'll go, well, I'm sorry. But they have no idea what sorry actually means. So say, if you got toddlers between three and five, you don't actually tell them to say sorry, but what you do is you teach them empathy. So my kid was at the park one day and a kid wouldn't move out the slide. So what did he do? He pushed him down the slide. That's right, the pastor's kid pushed the little kid down the slide because I'm not the perfect parent. But I had to go to him and I didn't just say, hey, you need to say you're sorry. I said, hey, buddy, what you did, that hurt him. That made him really sad. Do you want to get up there and let dad push you down the slot? Why? Because that would hurt. Exactly. I'm teaching him how to place myself, how to place himself in the other person's shoes. Can I just tell you a lot of a problem is a lot of us were never properly taught how to say sorry and put ourselves in the other person's shoes. We have no idea how to actually apologize. We're just like, boss, that's hard. Some of you won't even say sorry. You'll just do things to show you're sorry. You got to do both. Well, I said sorry. Never apologize to simply defend yourself. Never apologize just to shut them up. Can I tell you why you apologize? Because you're wrong. You say, hey, I'm sorry because I was wrong. Not, hey, hey, I'm sorry for making you feel that way. No, 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 no. What you just did is you, you didn't validate how, they made, how you made them feel. That's called gaslighting. Hey, I am sorry. I was wrong. I never want to make you feel that way. 
I shouldn't have done that. I'm gonna do the very best I can to not do that anymore. I'm sorry. If you're addressing conflict, let me help you. I've taught this to my staff and I think it'll be helpful. We got a little bit of time left to have this conversation. If, if they have hurt you, someone you care about has hurt you. When I say to, to talk it out, I want you to remember an analogy. S, say S, B, I. So not FBI, SBI. And here's how you address conflict. Here's how you actually talk it out. The S stands for situation. The B stands for behavior. And the I stands for impact. So here's how the conversation will go if somebody's hurt you and they begin to break trust with you or they've dishonored you, men. The way you address conflict is you don't make a bunch of assumptions about their emotions, but rather you address the specific situation. So a lot of times we never resolve conflict because instead of addressing one situation, you address 600 situations that you never dealt with. It's not my fault that you let four months go and you never said a word. Because if you come throwing grenades in the relationship, I'm gonna get blown up and there ain't nothing I can do about it. So don't get historical, address the specific situation and you say, hey, I would like to talk. Can we talk? I wanna talk about this specific situation that happened the other day. And then you name the situation and then you address the behavior, not the intention. You always gonna lose an argument. They will always get defensive if you talk about what you think that they meant. Because the truth is, as well as you think you know them, you don't know what they meant. So what you do is you go, hey, I wanna talk about the situation and I wanna address the behavior that you displayed. You yelled at me and you called me a female dog and that's not okay. Just too real for somebody. It's like, man, I want to talk about the behavior. I want to talk about when you slam the door. I want to talk about a specific situation and a specific behavior because I want to let you know the impact that had on me. And you say, this is how that made me feel. This made me feel like you don't care. This made me feel like I can't trust you. Because see, what you just did is you removed assumption out of it. You removed six problems and you addressed one problem and you talked about the impact it had on you. Whether they disagree with you or not, nothing you just said can they not validate because they can't tell you how you don't feel. So when you address situations and conflict this way, you're actually helping them understand this is the impact that your decisions, that your behavior and this specific situation had on me. Can I get an amen from somebody? But you have to talk it out. Say, talk it out. And if somebody does the hard work to talk it out with you and they come to you and they genuinely apologize, you need to assume the best. And number three, forgive first. You need to forgive first. Forgiveness is a choice that only you can make. Forgiveness is not on them. Forgiveness is on you. Jesus says this in Mark chapter 11. I tell you, you can talk, pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. But when you come to talk to me, before you talk to them, 
First, forgive. Come on, somebody say first, forgive. Anyone you're holding a grudge against, watch, so your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. You have a responsibility to be the first to forgive. Because we all know hurting people hurt people, but healing people help heal people. Can I take it a step further? Forgiven people forgive people. We have a responsibility to forgive first because Jesus forgave us. Jesus forgave you. Living with an offense, not choosing to forgive. Every time I preach about this, I have to say this because it gives you such a picture of what unforgiveness is. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. And some of us think that by holding on to the offense, that it's somehow hurting the other person when really it's killing you. You're gonna have to choose to forgive first. But how many times do I have to forgive? How many times, like if they just keep doing the same thing over and over and over and over and over, it's a great question. Can we talk? Matthew 18, Peter comes to Jesus and asks the same question. How many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times seven. What is Jesus talking about? Here it is. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. Forgiveness is about losing count. It doesn't mean you minimize the offense. It doesn't even mean you release the offender from the legal consequences. But it does mean that as you've been forgiven and released of your debt, you forgive them and release them of yours. Can I just tell you, if anybody had the right to live offended, it was Jesus. If anybody had the right to be angry, if anybody had the right to live hurt, if anybody had the right to just pick somebody else and throw you aside. It was Jesus. But what I love about Jesus was that he may have had the right to do it, but he laid down his right when he went to the cross and rose from the grave saying, I'm gonna forgive first. Come on, is anybody thankful for the forgiveness of Jesus? He gave us a picture. Jesus gives us a picture. Relationships are supposed to look like. And it's a lot different than this, isn't it? See, Jesus knew how to give the picture of what honor looked like. Jesus knew how to draw the picture of respect. Jesus knew how to draw the picture of trust, of security. Jesus is the one that we look to when we're confused with each other. 
See, I think sometimes God is going, hey, can we talk for a minute? Can I show you? That's God right there. Can we talk? Ooh, that was good timing. For a minute. Because Colossians 3 says this, therefore as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance or offense against someone else, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So maybe God brought you to church today because he's just got a question. Can we talk? Because I understand your language. Did you know that God knows how to speak your language? God's going, hey, can we? Can we talk? I know how to speak your language. I'm not gonna walk out on you. I'm gonna work it out with you. Let's, let's talk it out. Let's talk out the pain you've carried for the last decade. Let's talk about the struggles you still have. Let's talk about the trust issues. Let's have a conversation when you feel hopeless. Let's have a conversation when you feel lost. He's going, can, you, can we talk about all your pain and about all your challenges and of all your doubt? Can I just tell you, God's not frustrated with you. God is faithful to you. He gives us a picture of how to have healthy conversation. Why? Because he's patient and he is kind. He doesn't envy and he doesn't boast and he's not arrogant and he doesn't dishonor others. He's not selfish. He's not easily angered. He keeps no record of wrongs. He chooses to forgive first. But please understand, he doesn't delight in evil. He rejoices with the truth. He always protects. He's always trustworthy. He always gives hope. He will also always persevere because he never fails. Come on, why don't you give God some praise right there on that truth? You got a God that never fails. Why don't you stand to your feet? So God just has a question, can we talk? Well, I don't know what to say. That's okay. God knows your language. Can I give you some words to tell God today? God, I love you. God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I trust you with my life. Maybe that's why God brought you here. He wanted to talk to you. Isn't that mind-blowing that the same God who spoke words to breathe everything into existence, that God wants to talk to you and he's willing to listen. Why? because he knows how to speak your language, he made you. When you talk to God, you will never hear the voice of condemnation. You'll never hear the voice of separation. You will only hear the voice of a loving father 
He says, I know you. I made you. I love you. Will you trust me? Can we talk? Some of you today are here and you don't trust God. And that's why he brought you. Because you need to have a conversation. Because you will never forgive other people until you know how much you're forgiven. You will never have a healthy relationship with them until you have a healthy relationship with him. You will live offended rather than living forgiven. So today I just love to pray and I'm gonna pray two prayers and the first one is simple. It's just for everybody who needs help in this area of communication. And I want us to look at the perfect picture of not just how to say I love you, but to show I love you. Not just how to talk honor, but to show honor. So today, if you will, pray this with me. And if this message was helpful for you, if it was practical, if it was, you know God was speaking to you in this, would you just lift your hands like this right now? If this was for you today. Heavenly Father, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice. I pray that you've spoken to them. I pray that you've done something special in them. I pray that you've changed them. Speak to us. Thank you for loving us. Help us learn how to love other people. We thank you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray, everybody said. I wanna give those of you another opportunity to say yes to him and to trust him with your life. So if you will pray this with me out loud for the benefit of those who are saying, I trust you today. God brought you here because he wanted to talk and begin a relationship with you. That by grace, through faith in Jesus alone, you can be saved. And that when you talk to him and you call upon the name of the Lord, he's faithful to forgive you for all your sin and wash you clean from all your iniquity. So say this with me out loud. Say, today, I trust you. I give you my life. I believe you died for me. And you rose from the grave so that I can be forgiven and set free. And it's in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said. Thank you so much for listening to the message today. If it encouraged you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send us an email to stories at renovation.church. And if you'd like to partner with us financially and help us continue to reach people all over the world, you can do that by going to our website, renovation.church give. Have a blessed day.